0: On this episode of The Playbook, we have Amy Trask, the former CEO of the Raiders. She's also the author of You Negotiate Like a Girl, chairman of the big three, LA Sports Entertainment Commission board member and CBS sports analyst. If that's not enough, we're gonna talk about Shakespeare and the impact that he has on her and everybody in the world. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. I have the incredible Amy Trask. She is, of course, a CBS Sports Analyst. She is an author, just like me, of You Negotiate Like a Girl, chairman of the board of Big Three, the LA Sports Entertainment Commission board member, which... I have done a lot with, and even my favorite, even though I hate to tell you, Amy, I am a Chargers fan. She's the former Raiders CEO. Welcome to the playbook.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's a tremendous honor. I'm delighted to join you. To use an expression my mother always used, I'm tickled pink to have this conversation.
0: That is so good. Now, I just have to ask you, is that a Raiders hat you have on?
1: It is not. It is a CBS Sports Network
0: cap. Well, we can uh, and- continue the interview now. Is it's a it Raiders hat, <laughs> I was going to make you take it off. But why, why do you wear caps on your interviews?
1: Well, let me, I will answer that. But let me let you in on a little secret. Thank you. Rivals on game day but always had tremendous, tremendous relationship with everyone with the Charger organization. So we might have wanted to strangle one another during the game, but we collaborated and worked together when we weren't playing. So good luck to you this season. You you know, I'm glad you asked me about the cap because I want to make clear that I'm not wearing the cap um, because I don't think this is a tremendous honor and privilege to join you on, on this podcast or because I'm in any way slouching about it. And really, I did get dressed up. I put on earrings, so there you go. You know I'm taking this very seriously. I wear a baseball cap to give me the courage to do this. I was, um, from the time I was a little girl, the one who grew up tremendously, tremendously insecure about her appearance. That continues to some extent to this day, although I work hard to get over it. And the baseball cap gives me the courage to join you on screen. So it's not in any way intended as a lack of excitement or enthusiasm or to be disrespectful. The baseball cap gives me the courage to go on screen. And by the way, whoever invented the baseball cap really ought to get the Nobel Prize posthumously.
0: I love that. And uh, my wife will align with you. I am the reason that my wife was insecure when we were little. I, uh, at sixth grade camp, asked through a friend for my wife to go study with me. And she said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And my friend embarrassed (laughs) me. So I threw an egg at her and I picked on her and I asked her why her friends were prettier than her because I liked her, uh, which I proved eventually by marrying her 20 some years later. Um, But so there's all types of ways, I guess, to, to deal with the insecurities. And I have three daughters, so I know you know, how self-esteem and self-love is so important and so difficult for boys and girls, especially today.
1: Absolutely. And I don't mean in any way to suggest that young men don't have those issues as well. Simply referencing mine, I don't know how to comb my own hair or style my own hair. I don't know how to do my own makeup. So I just, you know, when I'm part of the CBS team on Sundays, they're magnificent. They help me with those things. But when I'm on my own, here's to baseball caps. And by the way, what a great story about you and your wife.
0: Yeah, I, isn't it cool? I am the first boy ever to ask her to go steady. And we have our 24th anniversary next week. And hopefully I'm the last boy ever to ask her to go steady.
1: Well, happy anniversary. And um, let me just suggest that when you celebrate, you do not throw an egg
0: at her. No, not anymore. Just diamonds. And she doesn't. Matter, so. <laughs> <laughs> I've, learned, I've learned my lesson. Um, but, you know, speaking of leading the way. Uh, I talk about milestones. I've been blessed to work with the Jackie Robinson Foundation early on. I work with and represented the Clemente family. Obviously, Warren Moon, my partner. Uh, you know, breaking barriers has been something that has truly interested me since I graduated law school. Something that you did as well um, in utilizing kind of the power and force of uh, language and persuasion to help raise the awareness to equity and inclusion and things that we really are fighting for. Um, and you are one of those pioneers, one of those milestones like a Jackie Robinson and Warren Moon and a Clemente uh, that are opening the eyes of people who look like you to say, wow, if she can do that, I can do better. And I tell my girls that all the time. Don't just say, hey, if she can do that, I can do that. It's if she can do that, I can do better. And I you know, had this conversation with Cam Newton about Warren Moon. As a, do not tell me you want to be Warren Moon. You want to be better than Warren Moon. That's what we're here for, to create these milestones. Through your career, you have this negotiate like a girl and the reflections of what it was like to be a pioneer and a milestone. What were some of the things when you were young, that inspired you were these milestones that gave you the idea of possibilities and probabilities. When, you know, my mom, who's older than you and I, you know, she literally was caught into women are doctors. I mean, so women are nurses and teachers. And the, the story, my mom went to Ohio State, graduated top of her class. The story that made my stomach hurt is when she said we were poor. She said, you know what aggravates me, Dave? All the boys that cheated off of me in high school and college, they're rich and I'm a, t- I'm a t- second grade teacher, I make $17,000 a year. What was it that gave you that milestone? I
1: don't think it was any one thing, but you saw me smiling ear to ear as you were describing your mom. My mom went to college and was a chemistry major at a time when women just didn't major in chemistry, at least not for the most part. She was the only chemistry major in her group. And when it came time to graduate college, she was interviewing with all the big pharmaceutical companies and none were offering her a job. And finally, in her last interview, when it was very clear to her that they weren't going to offer a job, she looked at the people who were interviewing her and said, why is no one offering me a job? Everyone's offered my lab partner a job. And but for me, he's not passing chemistry. So when you mentioned the fact that the boys were cheating off your mom, that had me smiling ear to ear. I'm not suggesting this young man was cheating uh, simply that my mom said to these, the pharmaceutical company representatives, why is no one offering me a job? People have offered my dumb lab partner a job, and but for me, he's not passing chemistry. And they looked at her sort of with disbelief as she recapped it to me and said, because you're a woman. Like, like They were incredulous that she didn't understand why she wasn't being offered job positions. They said, you're a woman. You're a beautiful young woman. You've got a large diamond on your left hand. You're going to get married or you are married. You're going to have babies. Nobody's going to invest the time, energy, effort, money to train you when you're just going to leave and stay home and be a mom. And she recounted to me that she thought, okay, uh huh, I hear you. And she didn't let it deter her. She didn't let it discourage her. She went on to get her master's degree and a doctorate degree. And she devoted her career to teaching teachers how to teach science to those who typically weren't taught a lot of science and other topics like that. And so she didn't she wasn't resentful. She didn't complain. She just went about it in a different manner and had a spectacular career. So you know that was that was something very significant. Uh, My dad held all of us to the same standards of hard work and um, encouraged us to do what it sounds like you are encouraging your daughters to do, which is dare to dream. He encouraged us to dream. My mom really encouraged us to dream, and then, or I guess the way I might phrase it is, my mom encouraged the dreaming. My dad pushed us to do the hard work necessary to accomplish those dreams. So your girls are lucky to have you doing the same. And I will quote the late Kobe Bryant and say, girl, dad.
0: I love it, absolutely. And it's so funny because growing up with a single mom, we raised six kids, five of them went to the Ivy League, oh. and graduated summa cum laude. She worked two jobs as a teacher and wow. then packed our dinner paper bag in Akron, Ohio, so we could fill up turnstiles at the 7-Elevens with greeting cards my mom taught me hard work uh, in, in effect, as I grew up and, you know, really got into thought leadership and to expansive thought and metaphysics and quantum physics, you know, to protect us, she taught us to be the mules that we were, that there was nothing going to stop us, but also limiting our beliefs of, you know, doctor, lawyer, or failure. Uh, And so it scared her that I was the, the, the soul, I want to play professional football, I want to be a millionaire, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, start my own business. That scared her. But I will tell you, what got me there was the, the ability to enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of my own potential. And she did give me the freedom to make the choices, but Jewish guilt. Uh, was along the way, you know, really making sure that I had the desire to go against uh, what she was afraid of. Um, Was there any fears? uh, You had this beautiful blend. It sounds like your parents are incredible. Were there any fears that your parents put on you uh, that limited you as you transcended from law school into, you know, this more entrepreneurial executive role?
1: No fears whatsoever. They couldn't have been more encouraging. Look, I grew up in a family that sure, my parents watched the Super Bowl every year. They either had a Super Bowl party or they went to a Super Bowl party, but they weren't staying home on Sundays to watch football games. I was. I fell in love with the game when I was in junior high, and I started staying home on Sundays while the whole family went out and did things outdoors. And the reason I share that with you is when I joined the Raider organization, I started as an intern during law school and then joined – full-time shortly thereafter, Um, and, and again, I did not grow up in a family where the NFL was on every Sunday or where people were going to games. I remember I wanted to go to a game when I was young. So every holiday, I would buy tickets, then it was the Rams in Los Angeles and Anaheim, I would buy my dad tickets and take him to a football game so that I could get to go. But my point in sharing that is the moment I joined the Raider organization, my parents were all in, they bought season tickets, they never missed a home game. Even when Al moved the team from Los Angeles back to Oakland, they flew up every single weekend and never missed a home game and could not have been more encouraging in that regard.
0: And then I, I know it, it, maybe this is a true story and maybe it's not, but you know, I've known the Davis family as you for a long time, Alan and Mark and uh, Lee Steinberg, especially being so connected at Berkeley and in the Oakland area and the players that we had that have played. And I even, uh, while you were there, uh, the reason I played college football was a guy named Vance Mueller who played behind Bo Jackson and, uh, you know, gave me a dream of anything being possible coming from a tiny division three school that we could do whatever we wanted. And, but I heard a story about, uh, Al Davis giving you a compliment about when he was swearing in front of women or doesn't swear in front of women. Is is that a true story? What was that story?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. True. And, um, one of the most special moments of my career. I spent almost 30 years with the team. There were a lot of very, very special moments, but this one was at the top of the list or certainly near in the group at the top of the list. Uh, We were having a meeting at our facility. I'd invited a business to meet with us. It was a business with which we wanted to do business, brought them in. And I said to Al, you know, it would really be helpful if you would join the meeting and and say hello and and participate to the extent you can or you will. And he said, sure. So the, the business representatives come to the building. We're in the conference room. I'm there. There's a couple other people on Raider staff. All the people from the other business are there. And Al walks in and he walks around and he graciously shakes hands with everyone. One of the women with the business with which we were meeting Um, One one of the representatives was a woman. And so Al says to her, um, you know, after greeting her and saying hello, very graciously, he explains that he tries very hard not to swear in front of women. Well, I start looking at my coworkers and I'm like looking around like, did he just say that? (laughs) He swore all the time at me. So he goes on and then he says to her, and even if I swear in front of a woman, I will never swear at a woman. Well, now I am so incredulous. I'm looking around at everyone like, did he just say that? And I fling my pen and it lands on the table with a thump. And he looks over at me and he says, oh, Amy, I swear at Amy, but I don't consider her a woman. And he could not have paid me a higher compliment. He didn't look at me as a woman, with a label that she's a woman in football or an executive who's a woman. I was his employee and my gender was irrelevant. There are people who thought I should have been offended by that. That was one of the biggest, if not the biggest compliment he could ever have paid me. He didn't look at me in any regard other than as his employee without regard to gender.
0: I love that. That was a conversation I had with Warren Moon about black quarterbacks. People say, I "Can't wait till we have more ba- black quarterbacks." And Warren said, "I can't wait till you don't distinguish quarterbacks by being black. They're just assholes or bad, bad arms <laughs> or, you know, something else, well, you know." <laughs> you know,
1: I I apologize for interrupting, but the enthusiasm you see on my face is because I echo what Warren is saying in the gender sense, which is people, you know, anytime a woman um, is put into, you know, she's elevated into a high ranking position or she's hired for one, or she breaks a barrier or she's coaching or she's officiating, people ask me if I'm excited. And the answer is sure. But what's going to really be exciting is when these sorts of things are no longer newsworthy, when people are routinely hired without regard to race, Gender, ethnicity, or any other individuality, which has absolutely no bearing on whether one can do a job. I agree wholeheartedly with Warren, and I echo that sentiment all the time in a gender related manner.
0: I I love it. I tell, I have a a woman president of my company, and we probably would have the same conversation because, you know, I, I consider her the president of my company. But she sometimes get offended because someone I'll say this is the president of my company, and someone say really, and I and she'll say, can you believe that? I said I know exactly how you feel because I'll tell people I work out every day, and they'll be like, really? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't even bother saying that to people. So you're right I, I know regard. the
0: feel. At least I know the feeling. Uh, but you know, for varying reasons, I, I want to get into education a little bit because you know you uh, are extremely educated, and today I think there's a lot of pressure. Uh, in education. And I think people are losing the value of it because of the expense of it. Uh, I, I believe education itself is just like if you were to come to me for investment advice, then I would tell you, well, know your timing and risk tolerance. Um, I think the same holds true that education is nothing other than investing in yourself, but you have to do a timing and risk tolerance analysis because you could put yourself seriously in economic distress for a long time if you don't do that uh, to get the education. The cool thing is education is much more available to everyone in the world today than it ever has been. At, I sometimes think at an incredible degree that you know never before could you have world thought leaders teaching you about what they know for free, at a click of a button, how important is your education, Berkeley? USC JD, you know your, your legal degree. How important is the education for these young entrepreneurs out there that think, you know, I don't need to go to school, I don't need to learn it, and I think they're missing the point. Uh, where's your position or perspective on education?
1: I think education is tremendously important. And I think we need to do something in this country. And that's perhaps another conversation for another day, because it's rather in depth. But we need to do something to make education more available without, as you noted, putting people into dire financial straits for decades. And maybe there's a differentiation that if one wants to go to an expensive private school, fair enough, that can be their cost burden. But if one wants to go someplace like a UC, and and I'm, I'm using a California reference, but of course, there's state schools in every state There needs to be a manner in which we can better educate people such that they don't need to be in financial hardship for decades thereafter. My education was um, tremendous. And one thing I I note to people is get the broadest education you can. You know, people would, when I was with the Raiders and now with the big three, people will tell me, well, I'm studying sports management. And I say, study whatever the heck you want. Get the broadest based education you want. Uh, People will tell me, well, I'm studying sports law. First of all, I don't think there is such a thing as sports law. It's law. (laughs) Labor law it's labor law. (laughs) it's, It's everything. It's labor law. It's corporate law. It's. Transactional. It's um, you know. Marketing. It's every kind of law in a sports context. So the advice I give to people is study. Anything you want to study, study as broadly as you can, get a broad-based education, and it's going to serve you well throughout your career. And it really is um, a problem that we have not solved or found a manner in this country to allow everybody to get as educated as they want without strapping themselves with bills that can last a lifetime.
0: Yeah, you're such a great leader. And to be a great leader, you have to be an intelligent follower, and I can see the attitude of being more interested than interesting and allowing yourself to break barriers as a leader, a thought leader, a mentor, a teacher, and a coach, all different facets of how we empower other people and we push in forward our legacy. Last question, you've been around so many great leaders uh, in so many great lessons. I would be amiss if I didn't ask you for your best piece of advice. You know, mine had come from Lee Steinberg. It's really simple. It's be kind to your future self, do good deeds. I know it's not what everybody thinks of my advice to be, but is there something that sticks, you know, one of the best piece of, or the best piece of advice you can give us?
1: Well, if I have to pick only one, I will share the piece my mom gave, but if I'm allowed to do one and a half or two, I'll give one from <laughs> give my you mom one and one from my dad. We're, here. Okay.
0: We're not going to uh, stop know- you from giving us gold.
1: Thank you. I often say that the best advice I ever received in life was from my mom, who told me from the time I was a little girl, to thine own self be true. And she repeated this to me over and over and over again, as moms can do. And as daughters can do, I got to the age where I started rolling my eyes because, oh, here she goes again. And every time she would repeat it, I'd roll my eyes. Well, you know what, it's the best advice I've ever received in my life. Mind you, it wasn't until I was at Cal, perhaps I shouldn't always admit this, but it wasn't until I was at Cal that I learned that my mom didn't invent that, she was quoting Shakespeare. (laughs) But to thine own self be true. uh, My biggest blunders or stumbles or fumbles or bumbles, call them what you may, have been when I haven't been true to myself. The other piece of advice, My dad shared with me by example, and he didn't phrase it precisely this way. It's how I phrase what I learned from him. Hard work matters. It really, really matters. And when you think you can't find a way to work any harder, find a way to work harder. We hear this expression nowadays all the time. I sound like an old person. Get off my lawn. But we hear this expression about working smart. I'm not even sure what that means because, of course, you don't want to work dumb. Um, And yes, I kind of understand what is meant by that, but it's not instead of working hard, you can do both. You can quote, work smart, close quote, and also work hard. And I will just tell you that hard work really, really matters. So there, there you go. My, my best advice ever, I attribute to my mom and I guess to Shakespeare, to thine own self be true. And I learned about hard work from my dad.
0: Two things that I believe heavily in and try to do every day or spend minutes and moments outside of it, not wanting what other people want for us, what we don't want or what's missing, uh, but truly to thy own self be true. You are a testament to that, Amy Trask. You are an amazing thought leader and a mentor to all. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.